Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the How to Lead podcast, helping you develop yourself and those around you. I'm Adam Tarno. Clay's not here today, and so we've totally upgraded. We've got Dr. Paul White, who is with us here today, coming to us from near Wichita, Kansas, right? Right there in the Midwest. Uh, what's the temperature right now while recording for well, you? It's uh, about 30 degrees. 30 so degrees. Not, okay, that's not bad. What, not what was your low? Because we were recording this shortly after that big Arctic blast came through. Uh, what was your low over the past few yeah, days? Yeah, actual temperature low was about negative five, and it went down to like negative 30 wind chill. That so. is amazing. Yeah. Wasn't that like that Kansas City Miami playoff game was the coldest game in NFL history? And I saw a couple of days later that like a bunch of people were treated for hyperthermia after being yeah. in games. Right. You weren't yeah. there, I take it though, right? I was not. I had a, a couple of friends that went, but everybody that I was with watching it in the warmth of our living room. We were thinking these people are crazy that went yeah, to the game. So. They are. They are. There's a sports bar on the highway that I drive by, and it's the uh, it's the Chiefs like local place. Oh, okay. So I think about the Chiefs often, and then you know the the owner of the Chiefs is is a Dallas native, right? The Hunt family. So I feel like the they're in the DFW area. There are quite a few Chiefs fans, but anyway, this is not a football podcast, nor is it a weather podcast, uh, Doctor <laughs> White. We're going to talk about something that I think is incredibly relevant. And so I'm sure you've heard this story a hundred times, which is uh, Clay and I, you know, we both came across the five love languages probably somewhere as we were either preparing to get married or we had shortly after marriage, probably through our church context, that book was introduced to us. It was life-changing. I know it was for Jackie and I to think about these five love languages and how it helped our marriage. Fast forward, I find myself standing in front of clients in a corporate setting. We're talking about employee engagement. We're talking about ways to uh, communicate that you care. Uh, you know, you care about your employees. And I find myself often going, well, this isn't totally relevant, but has anybody in here ever read the five love languages? And then you'd inevitably see a couple people raise their hands. And I would take from Gary Thomas's work and we would, you know, we would uh, apply it to the work context. Then about a year ago, I mean, it may be like a year ago now on Audible somewhere, I saw that you had collaborated with, uh, with Gary and you guys wrote the five languages of appreciation at work. And I was like, finally, I don't have to use a marriage example now. I can just <laughs> yeah. use this other example. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so tell us a little bit about this book. Like where, what was the moment where you two said, Hey, I, we need to do this and we need to write it for the marketplace. Yeah. So, uh, I'm a psychologist by training and mid career, I was doing consulting with family owned businesses. I grew up in the context of a family owned business. And I had some business consultants say, hey, we keep running into family issues. Can you help us? So I wound up traveling around the country dealing with largely wealthy families, dealing with business succession issues, but the family side of that mm -hmm. and how to help the senior couple uh, decide what they're doing and how to be fair to people, the kids that aren't in the business and all that. And I was working with a family in North Carolina. I asked the dad, who was the CEO, I said, you know, how are things going on a succession plan? He says, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to work. I walked across the hall to the son's office and I asked him the same question. And he said, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. I can't ever please my dad. And so my wife and I were actually probably rereading uh, the five love languages that time. And I thought, I wonder if this could translate, you know. Yeah. And so I actually pursued Dr. Chapman for a year mm. and finally got to meet with him and pitched the idea and, and wound up developing the online assessment that we've used and had 400,000 people take so far and then created some training resources and then wrote the book from that. So 
And, you know, we try to think, hey, what's sort of the relevant concept in the workplace? We didn't really want to talk about love at work. It just yeah. seemed to create some problems, even though, <laughs> you know, there are places for that. But uh, so we came up with the concept of appreciation and sort of took it from there. That is awesome. I love it. And it's the perfect title for it, right? Because it is that concept. It's the way that I was using it. I know it was the way Clay was using it. And I'm sure we're not alone. I'm sure there's a bunch of guys and uh, men and women just like, Clay and I that had read that and go, that is such a helpful framework. And the right. premise is basically the same. Like in the five love languages, the basic premise was, hey, we, we communicate and receive uh, love in different ways. And so you need to make sure you understand each other's language so you're not missing one another. And it's that same basic premise in the workplace, right? That people like to give and receive appreciation in different ways. Yeah. And you need to not assume everybody's like you. Is that a, is that, that, that a fair summary? You're right on. I mean, I, sometimes I'm embarrassed about the simplicity of it, yeah. but you know, a core concept is not everybody feels appreciated in the same ways. And yeah. I've never had anybody argue with me about that, you know, and you know, naturally we tend to start by using what's impactful to us, which is fine. But if you really want to lead people effectively, you need to learn how to show appreciation in the ways that they prefer. Otherwise, you're just sort of, you know, leading a bunch of little mini U's around. And that's right. That's not the best way to build a team. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or you're sitting around buying a, buying stacks of Starbucks gift cards to give out a spot bonuses and it and nobody receives that communication as appreciation. Right. Like right. that that would be the worst is a really thoughtful team leader that is trying to do things, but they're just missing. Uh, and yep. so their heart's in the right place, but the execution is just a little bit off. And that's where this can be helpful. So uh, let's not assume that all of our listeners do know the five love languages. There may be some right now that are trying to like at a stoplight, Google five <laughs> love languages because they don't even know what we're talking about. So go through the five sure. and, and let's get out of the the love piece. Let's get into the appreciation side of the work, sure. the marketplace. So what are the five languages of appreciation? I think once we get those out there, uh, that'll give us a springboard to talk through some other items. Yeah, so they're actually the same in name as the five love languages, but they look differently as they're applied. So words of affirmation. So you're saying something, a compliment or whatever, and can be written or oral. Quality time, which has sort of a generational difference. Those of us that are older, quality time usually meant, you know, individual time and focus with supervisor, manager, either listening to or, you know, sharing observations. But for younger employees, it's really collaborative peer relationships. They like to hang out with their peers. So it's, I tell older leaders, just because you have quality time or one of your team members does, doesn't mean they want time with you. Uh, yeah. You know, they want to go out to lunch or after work together. Acts of service. Um, it's not rescuing a low performing colleague. Rather, it's often in those times when we're on a time limited project and we're working hard to get it done. What's something somebody can do to help out, mm -hmm. whether that's you know, sort of run interference, answer phone calls or emails so we can stay focused, maybe bring us in dinner and lunch so we can keep working on it. Yeah. Or in a clinical setting, like a service setting, uh, you know, if everybody's you know, whole group shows up at the reception desk all, all at once, what can you do to help out? Yeah. And then tangible gifts in our model is really not compensation. It's not bonuses. It's just small things that are showing that you're getting to know the other person. So their favorite cup of coffee maybe a magazine about their favorite sports team, or even if they're getting into a new hobby, you know, a yeah. magazine about that, or even a website that's got some training stuff. And then physical touch is the one that people always sort of react to, you know? Yes. Um, and, but, you know, we didn't want to advocate a touchless society, even in the workplace, because yeah. touch can be appropriate, but it largely in the workplace, it's spontaneous celebration, right? It's yeah. a high five when you solve a problem, maybe a fist pump when you complete a task or, a congratulatory handshake. So, and it differs regionally and yep. culturally, and it's not very 
frequent somebody's primary language, but there can be some challenges around that. So we just wanted to talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, if I do talk about it, uh, in that marketplace context, you're exactly right. That's the first piece when I'm like, oh, five love languages, these five languages. And the fifth one is this. And you just see people's eyes, uh, <laughs> especially here in the American, you know, the Western context, their eyes light up and they're like not lighting up in a good way. It's like, are you serious? You know, yeah, like, right, are you serious? Right. That's what we're going to talk about. So let's just go ahead and address that elephant in that room right there. I say that again, because I think it was easy to skip over there. The idea of spontaneous celebration. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, when something good happens, what do people do? And, you know, in New York and New Jersey, I speak there, you know, it's sort of a nod across the room. I mean, that's about as close as they get. But, you know, in the South, the Southeast, they give side hugs or the other things. And and our Hispanic uh, friends in Southern Europeans, Italians and all that, they're more physically touch oriented. And so to not touch at all feels pretty cold and and objective to them. So uh, you have to be careful. And and it's always the recipient that gets to choose what's appropriate. So it it, it turns out to be either not a big deal or sort of a, a fun thing that you can implement depending on what people want. That's right. And I think it's fair to say, and you would agree that if that one is just like, listen, I don't even want to get anywhere close to that. The other four we'll get the ball pretty far down the field, right? Like just, just understanding with those will go pretty far down the field. So the way that that message was helping marriages, it's helping relationships at work because there's just this recognition that people like to receive appreciation in different ways. So some people, when you send them the text message, they love it. Others, they want to go to lunch with you, right? Or they want, uh, they want you to stop by their office or their cube and spend some time with them. And so it's good just to be able to understand one another so that you can make sure you're communicating well. So some of the ways to apply this for a leader, um, I mean, do you have leaders or do you have stories of leaders that are just sitting down like in their team meeting going, okay, here's the list. Everybody tell me what your top one is just to engage in some conversations on that. Or how, how do you see leaders best applying this? Yeah. You know, that's sort of a weird conversation in our culture of, you know, how should I show you appreciation? And usually you don't get much. People say, I don't know, tell me thanks, you know? Yeah. And one of the things, you know, leaders have different misconceptions about appreciation. First, that it's the same as employee recognition. Hmm. And we really sort of frame recognition for performance, which is good if it's done right. But we believe that employees are more than producers, that we're mm-hmm. people, you know, and we have value. And so appreciation is about the person that what we value about That's them. That's really good. It's not always work related. It could be just that they're cheerful or maybe they're not, you know, overly dramatic <laughs> in emotional situations or whatever. But secondly, that, you know, when people, especially leaders hear appreciation, they think it's words, uh, you know, thanks and compliments. But our research shows that over half of employees choose a language different than words. I mean, it is the largest single group. It's about 45, 46% of employees choose words as the way they want to receive it. But that leaves over half that if you only use words, you're missing them. Um, And it's not just for leaders. I think that's another thing we've learned is that people want to show appreciation to one another and receive it from their peers. Um, And that the goal isn't just to make people feel good. Really, we have a lot of research. In fact, just have a new version of the book that just is coming out this month that revised and updated the research from 2019, the last version, on all the good things that happen when team members feel valued. I mean, we, mm. it's good that we make people feel happy, but it's about helping the organization work well. So yeah. reduce turnover, less conflict, get stuff done, that kind of thing. Yeah. Did you see anything, any major changes? Because obviously the world has gone through a pretty sizable change since 2019. Anything surprising in the next round of research? 
Yeah, the, not surprising, but just that across age groups, we've done research pre-COVID, during and after. But one of the things we're finding is that the younger the employee, and we did by decade, so less than 20, 20s, 30s, 40s, the more likely they are to value quality time. Although hmm. words is still the most chosen one, quality time is up there for the youngest ones. Uh, so it, just saying stuff to them is not that uh, valuable. And it's critical to understand that it's peer relationships. That, and so it's m- less about you know, me spending time with my team members as maybe facilitating some times for them to get together and go out to lunch. And then obviously in the remote and hybrid world, it's, and especially totally virtual teams, done some work there. And man, one thing we've learned and is becoming clear is that if you have a total virtual team, it's really, really important for you to get together in person, at least occasionally, once or twice a year or something like that. And maybe just part of the team or whatever, because actually there's some new neuroscience research that shows that face-to-face interactions online are different qualitatively than face-to-face interactions in person. And there's an empathy, there's a trust that's built more when you're in person than online. And so if you do virtual without getting to know people in person, you're going to probably have a revolving door for your yeah, team members. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. That That's interesting. And I had one of my questions on the list as I wanted to talk to you about Gen Z as they're starting to come into the workforce. Are there any differences there that we're seeing? And so this is the second time you've mentioned that quality time piece with that. And so to be clear, if I'm hearing you right, I think what you're saying or what I'm hearing you say is it's not necessarily that you need you as the team leader need to give a bunch of your time to everybody on the team, although that's good, although that's right, that's appropriate, and I'm sure they're going to feel some value from that. It's more, are you creating a space for the team to be able to interact with one another? And especially that younger generation, they're going to appreciate just being together with their with their teammates. Is that right? Is that what I'm yeah. hearing you say? Yeah. And, and a key part about that is there's, you know, even sort of collaboration, there's different kinds of that. And one of the things that we found with remote and hybrid workers is that there's sort of three aspects for appreciation go well first you have to be proactive because there's not that chance encounter in the hallway or in the break room or coming in the door and so you don't see people as much and so you've got to be proactive about it and we're working with some technology firms to sort of develop some platforms around this secondly it's about peers like we've talked but third it's about personal information Mm. that it's not just talking and checking in okay how's that project going or you know do you get this task done because what happens with virtual meetings is they're pretty work-oriented, they're pretty yep. defined, right? And you don't have that time where you're going into the break or the conference room before or after and chatting. And you've really got to sort of schedule that to show up five minutes afterwards or, you know, ping somebody and say, hey, I'd like to catch up and see what's going on and set up a time to talk for 10 minutes, just to talk about the playoffs or what's going on with their kids, whatever. That personal piece is huge. And it ties into the whole mental health, loneliness kind of thing. People don't feel known because we're just keeping folks on work. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. So, you know, I've got teenagers at home and I can totally see that quality time piece. I I feel like my son, my my ninth grader, uh, like their friends and the amount of time that they spend hanging out. I mean, I was a teenager, obviously, and I, I loved hanging out with my friends. But it seems to be at a different level uh, right now. And it's not that they're all just a bunch of extroverts. It's not like I just had a bunch of introvert friends and they're a bunch of extrovert friends. Like there right. maybe is something that's substantially different 
with uh, with that generation. So uh, even though those guys aren't in the workforce yet, I'm starting to see that quality time piece is such a big deal. Yeah. And you know, what I looked at with the quality time piece, and again, I'll jump back to to five love languages on the marriage side was that seemed to be the one you could never fake. Right. Uh, because you're you can, either there or not. I mean, yeah. that's right. Yeah. It's either like I'm all I'm giving you my full face attention or I'm not, which I think is an appropriate challenge for team leaders and bosses that to just go, listen, do not discount how much like that can help when you do give people your undivided attention, the face to face time you initiating. And I love that you talked about initiation because one of the best team leaders I ever saw was back at one of the companies that I was working for. Uh, and my buddy DJ Ori, he would start every morning walking the floor, talking to people, stopping by. You know, task-oriented Adam was like, what an inefficient use of time. But the older I've gotten and the, the longer I've gone, I was like, I, he had it right. I was wrong. He was right. Like what he was giving with that undivided attention, uh, his team loved him. And that goes a long way with communicating appreciation. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, we know ways to for the languages not to go well. And for quality time, it's to be multitasking and not really focused. So like my office is here, I've got a door back there. If a team member walks in and I'm working on my computer, I'm gonna say, hey, let me finish this sentence. I'll finish my email. Then I turn around and face him. If I continue to do this or looking at my cell, or if you're in a restaurant and looking over them yes. at the TV, it's not only neutral, I mean, it undermines trust and makes them feel like you know they're not important. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So um, a couple more things before I let you go, Dr. White. So I read a copy of a book that is going to be coming out here a little bit later. So the author gave me a, a copy to read early after begging him <laughs> to send it to me. And it's called Cultures, the New Leadership by a guy named Ben Ortlop. And he said he, he made an observation that I've seen uh, that I think is relevant to this conversation. I, I just didn't put it into words the way Ben did. And he was talking about Gallup's employee engagement survey. Right. And basically said it has gone unchanged for almost 30 years. Right. right. Maybe let's maybe say 20 years, 25 years. Not 30, 30 is fair. Yeah. So it's been hovering around that 30 to 31% for about 30 years, which seems to indicate, you know, and lots of money has been spent by a lot of organizations on employee engagement. What what are your thoughts on that? Like what what do you think's going on there? Well, actually, I mean, the most recent Gallup research shows that it's at a lot nine year low for engagement. It's down about uh, 21% or so. I mean, it's really dropped. Yeah. And part of it is, you know, we get things in our head and then we don't listen to feedback from our environment. And so we think this works. Partly there's, a, you know, a monetary drivenness by some of the companies to sell you stuff. But, you know, I, I think the person aspect is huge and mm -hmm. is more even relevant today than it was 20 years ago because we have so much technology sort of you know in in the space as well and so we really talk about authentic appreciation and that it's person to person yeah. you know recognition uh, which has been designed to try to improve both performance and employee engagement it's pretty organizational i mean it's top down either from the management or the hr and it flows according to the org chart. One of the things that's cool about appreciation is it's person to person. It's, and it can be from, you know, my office manager to me or to one of the other team members, no reporting relationship. I mean, it could be, you know, somebody in, in IT that helps make the accountant's computer work right. And so right. you can show appreciation across that way. And 
man, we've just got to continue to affirm the value of the individual besides work. Um, And uh, so, for example, you know, I mentioned like I like to work with cheerful people more than grumpy people, you know, and (laughs) and so I can value that by I've got a really fun team member uh, and it's less about performance, but it can even be outside of work. I mean, maybe you have a team member who's a new and still sort of getting their feet work wise, but they're training for a half marathon and say, hey, Dave, that's really cool that you got the self-discipline to do that. Or maybe you have a single mom. And she's just super committed to her kids. And you say, man, Maria, I just see how much you love your kids and you do stuff for them and serve them. That just it really warms yeah. my heart, you know, and it's not about work, but it creates a connection, which is a lot of what's missing right yeah. now is sort of that connectivity. But they don't teach us stuff in MBA schools, no. <laughs> you know, and a lot of leadership training and all that. It's like, you know, all about the numbers and the numbers are important. I mean, this is work and we have to provide mm-hmm. services and goods, yeah. but we're involving people to make that work. We, we use sort of the model or image of oil in a machine. If you have mm-hmm. a machine, it's working, doesn't have oil, friction, heat, sparks, doesn't work, takes more effort to get things done. Appreciations like that oil helps make the team members work together better. I love that. Yeah, with great less analogy. Effort and greater yeah. results. Yeah. You know, when I, um, Worked at a nonprofit, and one of the the teams that I was helping to lead was a, was the communications department. And one of the things we used to say often, and I think it's relevant to what you just said, is that a message to everybody, a general message to everyone, is a specific message to no one. Mm. And so, I mean, how many how many team meetings or corporate town halls have we sat there, and the CEO, the vice president, whoever it is, she goes on and on, or he goes on and on talking about appreciation for employees. And it's like, what are you talking about? I just bragged on the employees on that, on that earnings call for 30 minutes or for, for five minutes. And it's like that general level of encouragement. Good. That's great to to say that. It's a good start, (laughs) but that's a general message to everybody, which means nobody hears it as a specific message to them. I think what I'm hearing you encouraging leaders to do is, Hey, do the, do the general stuff. But you got to figure out ways to go out there and have that that individual appreciation. Actually, I hear you saying that to everybody. That's not just the leader's job. It's like everybody on the team's job to do it, right? The way this works well is when we teach and train the team members how to show appreciation for one another because they catch on to it. And those of us that are in management and we've, you know, taken the disc or, you know, strength finders or whatever and done training for a lot of frontline employees, just taking this little assessment we have, it takes about 10 or 15 minutes, creates an individual report from them. It's sort of like self-discovery for them. Yeah. And they really get engaged with it. And we've kept the cost low so that, you know, we have big organizations that roll it out all the way across. That's awesome. Well, it's a great work, Dr. White. I'm, I'm grateful that you chased Gary down for so long in a year and, and got him to do that. And so is this going to be the third edition that's coming out yeah. this year? Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So that'll be wherever books are sold. You can go and grab that, you know, Amazon or wherever your favorite bookstore is. Uh, I'll put some links there to that. I'll put some links to the assessment as well. So that yeah, can go if they just go out. to our sort of mother uh, website, it's called appreciationatwork.com. Okay. It's a word at appreciation at work. The books are there. Actually, right now we're selling the books. We're just selling them this week started. It's not, they're not available on Amazon, but the assessments and training stuff that we put together are all there. Excellent. So appreciation at work, spell out the word at, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So Dr. White, thank you so much. This was fascinating. Uh, Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. And thanks for coming on the How to Lead podcast. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. 
Once again, thank you, Dr. White, for jumping on the How to Lead podcast. And anything that we talked about, go check out their show notes. There'll be links there to his website, appreciationatwork.com, where you can learn more about the book, those assessments, all that kind of stuff. So it's great stuff. I listened to it, like I said, last year. Super, super helpful. Great framework to use. Again, trying to make a team meeting easy. Just bring this content in there. Talk about this. The appreciation at work framework is incredibly helpful to talk about in your next team meeting. That's all we got for today on the How to Lead podcast. This episode, like every episode, mixed and edited by that great team over there at Sound of a Rose. Learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.